like I said, I'm glad to be with you. Um, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the idea of how to have the best year of your life. And um, uh, it's kind of a big lofty goal, but um, we're going to try to tackle that today and talk a little bit about that. How many of us have set New Year's resolutions? How many of you set New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Okay, a few of us. Okay. Um, statistics say that... Um, there's a lot of different things about New Year's resolutions that we can kind of learn about ourselves. Um, one of the things is that um, 30% of New Year's resolutions will not make it through the first week. <laughs> they will not make it through the first week. Um, and 90% of New Year's resolutions won't make it past six months and probably won't actually ever happen after that. Only about 10 to 12% of people actually um, follow through with their New Year's resolution. And, you know, kind of the typical ones, the first one's usually, like we said, you know, lose some weight or eat healthier. Um, the second one usually is something to do with money, save money or use your money more wisely. Um, you know, there's usually getting organized somewhere in there, reducing stress. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we have this whole list of, of resolutions that we typically do, but they're kind of diverse and they're kind of different. But like I said, a lot of us don't fulfill our resolutions, right? A lot of us, we set them and then it doesn't, uh, doesn't come through. By the end of the year, we haven't done it. Or, you know, this time of year, we're scrambling like, I've got to complete this New Year's resolution. I haven't got it done yet. <laughs> and um, so it's, it's kind of this interesting thing. And I think there's lots of reasons for it. We kind of already mentioned a little bit. But um, kind of the first one is maybe we just aren't disciplined, right? We're just not disciplined enough to stick to the resolution and get it done. Um, I think the second one is sometimes we don't always do, um, you know, the re resolution wasn't in the right timing for us. Um, for instance, um, the, some people list the, the fourth most popular resolution is to spend more time with family. And if you're focused on that, but you're doing number five, which is smoking, <laughs> you don't quit smoking, you kind of maybe need to switch your order around and maybe switch which one you're focusing on first. Um, and so um, it's kind of this interesting thing of why we don't do it. And I think there's one other reason why we don't uh, accomplish our New Year's resolutions, why we don't complete them and achieve them. And I think it has to do with an idea of asking the wrong question. Um, it's been said that if you ask the wrong question, you'll get the wrong answer, right? If you ask the wrong question, you're not going to get the right answer. And I think sometimes we start out the year, we look towards 2014, and you say, what can I do? What can I do in 2014? Maybe differently, or maybe what can I do to add on to my life in 2014? And I think that's maybe the wrong question. Not necessarily that we shouldn't ask it, but there was a, a more important question that we should ask first. And so we're going to kind of look at that today. Um, we're going to look at the story of Daniel. And some of us have, he have heard about Daniel, um, whether you come from a church background or not. You know, probably heard about the lion's den, right? Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den, and he doesn't get eaten. And, you know, that kind of that story. We just know a little bit about him, and we, we know maybe that there were some guys that were his friends that were with him, and they got thrown in a furnace, and somehow they didn't get hurt. And we kind of just know the little bits and pieces sometimes. But there's really important things in Daniel's story that happened before and kind of after and kind of in between to set these events up that sometimes we just kind of skim over. I'm guilty of it too, that are like, yeah, this is kind of boring. I want to get to the good stuff, you know, where he doesn't get eaten by lions and all that stuff, right? And um, kind of the exciting stuff. But we miss some really important things. And so we're going to look at um, the story of Daniel a little bit. We're going to start in chapter 1. Um, in your bulletin, you have the second scripture we're going to read. But the first scripture is going to be in Daniel chapter 1, if you want to turn there. Um, we're going to read verses 3 through 8. And to kind of set this up a little bit, um, Daniel is this, this boy who's living in this time when Israel was taken captive by Babylon. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, um, they would uh, disobey God, and then God would kind of turn them over to another group of people to capture them. They would plead for help, then they would get help, and they would sin again. And it was kind of just this vicious cycle of going back and forth and getting captured and asking for help, God helping them, sinning, and then God would send them to another captive. And so at this time, Babylon has captured Israel. They've taken a lot of the Israelites, the, the, more, um, astute, the more affluent ones, and they've taken them back to Babylon. 
and they've kind of captured them, make them slaves, and they've taken them back to Babylon. And so we read this. Daniel was one of, those, one of those slaves. We read this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then the king, which, by the way, this king um, is King Nebuchadnezzar, who is a historical figure, right? If you've ever read anything about history in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is a historical king. So this is the king. The king Nebuchadnezzar ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family, basically those high people from Israel, right? Um, and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only the strong... Healthy and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the culture and literature of Babylon. And so kind of pause here for a second. Basically what happened is Daniel has been taken from Israel, like we said. He's been brought, and the king realizes that this group of... He's trying to get a group of men together that is really well-versed in lots of things, very skilled, very talented, does all kinds of great things, and he wants to reprogram them and kind of brainwash them into becoming a Babylonian um, kind of asset, you might say, to be able to use for the furtherment of Babylon, right? And so Daniel's one of those men. Daniel has all this talent, right? He has all this talent, all this uh, skill and ability, and so Daniel's selected. The king assigned them, uh, continuing in verse 5, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names, and maybe some of you have heard these names. Daniel was called Belteshar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three guys in the furnace, right? Um, and so the, this brainwashing kind of starts. And so he, he, um, the king has them uh, change their name to a different name. And probably what we learn from kind of Babylonian cultures, they probably changed their whole outer appearance. And so they changed their clothes. They maybe gave them a couple earring piercings, you know, piercings around, maybe even some tattoos. And Daniel kind of goes along with this at this point, okay? But there's something interesting that happens in just a second about his diet. And Daniel does something interesting. Um, in verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Now pause for a second. Um, don't forget, Daniel's captive. He's a slave. He's a prisoner of the, of the king, of this empire. And he says, hold on a second. I don't want to eat this food. Now, um, I don't know how many of you have been in jail or been in prison, but most likely, from people I've talked to that have been in prison, you don't turn down food, right? You don't turn down food um, that especially is from the king. And so it's really interesting that Daniel would do that. And here's what he continues on. It says, He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And kind of, it's interesting because Daniel knew um, something about who he was. He knew that the Babylonians were trying to change everything about him. They were trying to change a lot of things about him on the outside. They were trying to change his appearance and um, what he looked like and, and just kind of a little bit of who he was as a person. And so when it came to the point of food... Daniel puts up a fight, and he says, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to eat this food. It's, it's going to change who I am. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with my relationship with God, is kind of how he viewed it. And so he stopped. And it's kind of this interesting point that we're going to kind of continue to see um, as we move on to chapter 6. Um, we're going to fast forward a little bit in Daniel's life. Daniel's older now. Um, like I said, he's kind of um, one of these talented, very astute, uh, well-versed people. He's, he's very well taught. And so he continues to go through this service, and he, he serves eventually like three or four different kings or emperors, and so he's kind of the top dog. He serves, he serves right underneath them. And so we fast forward to chapter 6, and Daniel's un- underneath a different um, emperor this time. Um, it's King Darius. And so King Darius is now in charge of him, and um, we read this story in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, satraps kind of like a middle manager kind of guy, by his exceptional qualities, 
And, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse 4, At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Now let's pause for a second. What does that all mean? So Daniel was basically so good that King Darius said, I don't need to worry about what Daniel does. I don't want to change what Daniel's doing. Let him keep doing what he's doing and I can focus on other things. So Daniel had this huge authority and huge power in this kingdom, in this empire. And he was basically over everything. And King Darius said, I'm going to leave him. But the other people kind of underneath Daniel said, oh, we're kind of jealous of this. We don't want this guy taking our spot or taking the glory or taking all the, the fame. And so they went looking for bad things about Daniel. And it's really interesting... Um, what happens next here? Verse, um, continuing in verse 4, the second part. But they were unable to do so. They were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, the men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Isn't that interesting? Daniel has all this talent and all this ability and all this skill and so all these people that are kind of underneath him, they say, oh, we've got to go find some dirt on him. We've got to give King Darius this, this bad stuff, these skeletons in his closet, or these things that he's been hiding that he hasn't told anybody. And they go looking. They look for something bad. And you might say, like, in modern-day terms, maybe it was like TMZ or tabloids, or I don't know, they hired some people, investigators, to go, to go look for, for bad stuff in Daniel's life, and they couldn't find anything. And I think it's an important point that that we're going to kind of talk about today. Daniel kind of understood that, yeah, you can have all the skill and have all the talent. You can do a lot of great things, but there's something a little bit more important inside of who you are as a person. Daniel had kind of determined who he was going to be as a person. And he had said, I'm not going to go past this line. I'm not going to cross this line. I'm not going to cross this line. These are the things that I'm about, and I'm going to do these things. And he stuck to those, and they found, they found integrity. And basically, integrity, one way to think about integrity is who you are in the public and out in public and in your professional life and out in front of everybody is the same thing, and it blends very well with your private life. That it's the same thing, that people can't find a difference, and they can't find um, incongruity, and they can't find uh, mistakes and things. They can see, oh, yeah, that lines up for the most part. Yeah, he's, he's the same person. And so Daniel had integrity. And it's this important question that I think we need to ask first. Before we set New Year's resolutions, and some of you maybe have, and I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying there's another question that maybe we need to focus on first. And it's not what should we do, but who are we becoming? Who are we becoming as people? It's always a mistake if we ask the question first, what are we going to do, before we answer the question, who are we going to be? Um, throughout my uh, kind of middle school, high school years, I was always at church. I really wanted to follow God, and I wanted to, I wanted to do what He wanted me to do. And so I was at church all the time. I was at Sunday school. I was at uh, the, the worship service. I'd stay for youth group. I would do all kinds of stuff at the church, and I really wanted to follow God. And so um, kind of through middle school and starting into high school, this idea of doing God's will. I don't know if, if you're not Christian, that's kind of a, that's kind of a weird term. Um, but basically it means doing whatever God wants you to do. And so it kind of came into my vocabulary, and I kind of started thinking about it and praying about it. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? What's your will for my life? And, and so I really was praying about this really uh, pretty fervently. And so eventually my pastor um, realized that I was kind of struggling with, you know, how to figure this out. He gave me a book. And it was a good book, actually. It was a very good book. And so I was, I was like, oh, great. You know, and I kind of started reading through it. And, you know, the author kind of set up some of his ideas. And he gave some context to what he was going to talk about. And then he kind of came to this idea of um, wherever God's working, you should go and just be there. That's kind of God's will for you. That where God's doing stuff, where God is working and healing people and helping people, and you should just go and join what God's doing. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. I hadn't heard that before. That was new to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I should go do that. And so I was looking for opportunities, and I, and I kept reading. And then eventually came to this idea that the most important thing about God's will and determining God's will for your life 
is God cares more about who you're becoming than what you do. And I was like, well, that's, that's not easy. I need to go. I'm, I'm looking for a map. I'm looking for like, I, God wants me to go here, 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 do these things that here, here in this list. And I want like a visual picture of what God wanted for my life. Not like, how do I become? Who am I becoming? That's like, some, eh, I'll take care of that later, right? So I kind of skimmed over that part, read the rest of the book, and, you know, the goal is to finish the book, right? Not learn anything, right? So I finished the book, and um, eventually, you know, fast forward through Bible college, I'm, I'm done with school, and, you know, I'm kind of in my first job after college, and I'm not in ministry. I want to be, but I'm not, and so my friend gives me another book, and it's, uh, it's kind of a book to set you up for the first two years of ministry. It kind of gave you some, some things to do your first two years of ministry. I'm like, oh, great, cool. So I read through it. I was hoping to find, like, you know, here's the events you should plan. Here's the sermons you should teach. Here's the lessons you should talk about. Here's how you should, you know, kind of reach out to people outside of your church. Here's how you, you know, all these kind of things. And I didn't find that at the first, like, five or six chapters, and I kind of got frustrated. And then this idea came up again. Who you are becoming is what God is really concerned with. And I'm like, oh, man, why do these people keep bringing this up? Why is this so, <laughs> why is this so important? I want to do stuff. I want to check off my list and, you know, get moving on with what, what ministry should look like. And I think that's sometimes uh, what we tend to do. We kind of skip over who, who we're becoming, and we focus on what's my to-do list? What's the next thing to check off the list? What's the next achievement I'm, I'm striving for? And in this area of the world, this, that's a huge part of what we do, right? Um, you guys in your jobs and, and technology and all kinds of things, it's like you've got to get the next thing. The project has to be finished. And you have to finish, 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 achieve, 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 and do, 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 right? And sometimes we forget, who are we becoming? And this is really an easy thing to illustrate the importance of, right? If you kind of look into um, the, the public world and look into media and you look at, um, you know, kind of three different categories, you know, there's politicians, there's entertainers, and there's athletes. And if you look at any of those three, um, in the last year, you can easily point to and think of in your own mind somebody in those areas that's messed up big time, right? Either whether it was a politician that did something they shouldn't have or an entertainer that all of a sudden we find out all this stuff about them or an athlete that just wasted all kinds of money and you know whatever the case is we find out a lot of a lot of times that these these famous people that we see um, are great illustrations of this point about it's really important who you're becoming maybe first before you determine what you're going to do and so we look at you know we can name any kind of um, even you know pastors unfortunately sometimes you've seen high high profile pastors and people that have just messed up big in the public eye and i think a lot of times it's because they didn't determine who they were going to become and who they were going to be before they decided what they were going to do. And they started doing, 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 doing before they determined who they were going to be. And this is really important. And I think Daniel, as we look at the story of Daniel, Daniel had all the talent, right? He had all kinds of skill and ability. And, and to be able to rise up through that Babylonian empire, the empire at the time, and to become like the second in, in command, that's a pretty powerful thing that says a lot about Daniel. But what says even more about Daniel is that he was able to withstand that, withstand all the talent and all the success because his character and who he was as a person could take him past this. This is an interesting point kind of that I was reading as I was kind of preparing for this. Um, your skill, your talent, whatever you are that makes you successful has the potential to sweep you past the ability of your character to sustain you. Your skill, your ability, what you can do successfully, what you do really, really well has the potential to sweep you past the ability of your character to sustain you. I think of athletes all the time when I think of this because I'm a big sports guy and I, I constantly see athletes, uh, you know, football, basketball, pick your sport, right? That they have all the talent in the world. They can make millions and millions and millions of dollars, but they don't always have the character to be able to sustain the opportunities and sometimes the bad things that come their way because of that success, right? They get people in their lives that aren't looking out for their best interests. Or um, they just go through all kinds of money. They get themselves in situations that are bad for them. 
And I think a lot of times it's the same principle. They've determined what they want to do. They want to be an NFL star. They want to be an NBA star. They want to do whatever. But who are they being as a person? Who are they going to be as a person? They're really successful athletes that cannot kind of withstand time. I think they've determined who they're going to be. And they know what they want to be. And so this is really important if we call ourselves Christians that we determine who we're going to be, right? Because people are watching us. People are looking at us. And God cares more than we can probably imagine about who we are as people. More so than even what we do. What we do. And some of us, that's been kind of frustrating for us in maybe our lives. We've, we've tried to have a relationship with God and we've tried to like do this stuff to kind of make our relationship right with God. And you know, come to church is, unfortunately, sometimes the biggest checkbox. We say, oh, I was at church today. I did that, right? But our relationship with God doesn't work that way either, does it? It's not about what you do. It's about what God did for you to make you become a different person, to help you become a different person. And so I want to kind of take, a, take some time to kind of do that right now. Um, in your bulletin, if you take your bulletin, um, you'll see this kind of insert here, and there's a couple blanks if you wanted to fill those in. Um, we can, we'll kind of hit on those again in a little bit. But basically at the bottom, here's the kind of the, the thing I want to spend a little bit of time doing. Um, there's, there's six different post-it notes. And this isn't an exercise that's really original to me at all. It's, I've picked it off of other people. But um, there's six different boxes with six different names. If you didn't get a bulletin, I'll just read off the names, and you can kind of write them down if you want, or take out your phone and make notes in your phone, whatever. There's six different boxes. One is your spouse. One is son or daughter's. Parent, friend, neighbor, and coworker, and these are kind of all the you know different um, areas of our life where we have influence or we have um, the potential for influence on people's lives. And so the question I want you to ask that I think will help us kind of think about who do we really want to become, and and you know maybe some of you guys have done this, but maybe it's a good time to reevaluate who do you want to become. Is ask the question, what do you want these people to say about you at your funeral? What do you want these people, what do you want your spouse to say about you at your funeral? What do you want your son or daughter to say about you at your funeral? What do you want your coworkers to say about you? Those that work above you, those that work below you. What do you want these people to say about you? And as you kind of think through this, and we're going to have a, a song playing for just a few minutes, and then we're going to kind of wrap up the service. Um, but as this song kind of plays, and as you think about it, you're going to realize that most likely um, for your children, you're not going to say, want your children to say about you, oh, he worked really hard and he, he achieved all his goals at work. Probably, right? They're going to want you to spend time with them. It's more about who you are than about those goals. Your coworkers, they're probably, you're not going to want them to come up to your funeral and say, man, he was just, he achieved all these things and I can just list them for you. No, probably not, right? You're going to want your coworkers to say you were nice or kind or you could, you were compassionate or you were there for them when they really needed you and they lost a loved one. You're going to want kind of those kind of things, right? More of the character kind of things. Those are kind of going kind to of surface to the top. And so I encourage you to take some time to do this. Um, I'm going to give you time right now because I know just like you, if, if, um, if a pastor gave me an assignment to go home and do it, uh, probably wouldn't happen, right? So I'm going to take a little bit of time to do it right now. As we get ready for 2014, let's first ask, ask the question, who does God want us to become? What are some areas in our life that maybe we need to work on or maybe that we need to emphasize some more? And I encourage us just to take some time to do this um, together. And so let me pray for us before we do that. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll spend a few minutes working on this. God, thank you so much for the story of Daniel. Thank you for being able to read um, about this, this amazing story of this boy who was a slave. And God, you helped um, kind of cement in him um, who he was going to be. And to not change that. And to not, um, not let that just go away when the Babylonians tried to change who he was. And God, you showed us an amazing example and an amazing story through Daniel. And it's all because he determined who he was going to be. And God, he had all the skill and he had all the talent. And no doubt, he probably had his lists and his to-do lists and his check-offs and all those things. 
But God, he knew he was going to be first. And so God, would you help us to make those, those same choices right now? Would you help us to realize um, who you want us to be? Because God, you created us and you made us and you know best who we should be. And so God, help us to do that right now. Help us to think through this and to really, um, to really realize what's the important things in our life that we want to be and who we want to be, God. Would you help us? Would you give us wisdom right now? In Jesus' name. All right. Uh, one of the great things about those of us that kind of are on this side of Daniel's story is that we know Daniel's ending, right? We know that Daniel um, will get selected to, to be in this king's uh, special force, and um, he'll eventually uh, break a law that says you're not supposed to pray to the king, and he'll get you know, thrown into the lion's den, or you know, get ready to thrown in the lion's den. But Daniel didn't know how his story was going to end. Daniel didn't know that he was going to be rescued by God. You know, he might have had you know, that hope, right? But Daniel didn't know how his story was going to end. So it's really interesting to me that as you kind of look at things from Daniel's perspective, that even though he didn't know how his story was going to end, he still chose to follow God. And he still had this kind of amazing character that helped him to make these great decisions that we just look at and say, wow, he's courageous. Wow, he's amazing. Um, But Daniel didn't have that. He didn't know how his story was going to end. And we're kind of in that same place right now, right? We don't know how our story is going to end. We don't know what the rest of our life's going to hold. And for many of us, um, we're going to miss out on what God really has for us, some amazing things. Maybe not quite to Daniel's level, but maybe some amazing things personally in your life. Maybe some people that you need to reach. Maybe some opportunities that you need to go share the love of God with other people. Maybe some opportunities to go help people when they really need it. And we're going to miss out on some of those opportunities if we don't take the time to first determine who God wants us to be. And I think that's really one of the keys for Daniel's success and Daniel's courage and why we still talk about Daniel to this day. It had nothing to do with what he did, but who he was as a person helped kind of separate him from the pack. And so I encourage you guys to really to kind of think through this. Maybe you don't use this exercise. Maybe you use a different one. I don't care. But to really determine who you are going to be. And for those of us that are Christians, we really need to figure out who God wants us to be. And so as we get ready for a new year, I encourage you to really kind of think through this. And to, to come back to church starting next year, right? Starting the next service. Not to be something that you check off your list to do, right? But to really come here and determine who are you going to be and to figure out who God wants you to be. And as you kind of think through that and as you kind of write things down and you realize, oh, God wants me to be trustworthy or God wants me to be honest, God wants me to be, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, right? I think you're going to realize that it's all in here, right? God kind of has already been trying to tell us what he wants us to be already through the Bible, through the scriptures. And if we'll just take time to come together on Sunday mornings or come on your own spiritual time, your own, your own personal time, and figure out, God, would you show me who you want me to be? Would you give me wisdom to see who it is that you want me to be in this world? This world that so pushes away God so many times. Who do you want me to be? What kind of light can I shine in darkness? What kind of difference can I make in this world? Who do you want me to be? Because it's always a mistake to ask the question, what do you want to do? Before you first ask the question, what do you want to, who do you want to be or become? In 2014, you're going to be somebody, right? In 2013, you were somebody. In 2014, you're going to be somebody. Doesn't it just make more sense to determine and choose who you're going to be before that happens? Let me pray for us.